title promises a lot, but I'm, I'm going to try my best to uh, fulfill this promise title's uh, objective. Um, I begin with uh, a verse from the Quran. Shall I tell you who is possessed by Satan's? They possess every imposter, wicked at heart, those who transmit hearsay, but most of them are liars, and the poets are followed only by their tempters. Do you not see in every valley they are wanderers, they are hypocrites and performers, and these who did wrong will be finders of what they twisted around, they will be receivers. This was my own translation from the Quranic chapter 26 called The Poets where Muhammad's God does the second censorship of poets, and that too in poetic verse form. <laughs> the first one we will recall was Plato's censorship, this famous Plato censorship of poets, historically quite important, two significant moments of censorship of poets. This, I thought, would be an apt beginning for my intervention and meditation on John Ilya's poetic ope, and the location of criticism in contemporary Pakistan. John Ilya was a Pakistani Urdu, poet and polymath who died in 2002. He migrated from North India with his Amroha, with his family to Karachi with the partition of British India. He, drew, he wrote both prose and poetry. In this paper, I will argue that Ilya's Ove opens up the possibility, at least, concede to that much, the possibility of a countercultural critique of Pakistani mainstream aesthetic and culture from the resources available within the Urdu literary genre. How successful my claim is depends on you, the audience, and I'm hoping some of the questions raised here will affect the general discussion later about the adequate balance between criticism and representation in our role as researchers and critics of Pakistan. Ilya's subversive philosophy and defiant art lead to a poetry of dissent and rebellion, making it thus exceptional in my view, that is beyond the ordinary. The meta question I shall pose in this paper is whether a critique of culture can be possible from outside a cultural repertoire itself, or is rather better placed from within the cultural own resources. I have had the rather painful delight of engaging with the translation of Alia into English. I've translated the collection of short poems called Ramuz that were written between the 1970 and 1990, but published posthumously just last year. These poems are written in the form of mosaic tablets received from on high, described as the new fire, the new burning bush, the new covenant from the new, for the new age of humanity. Rather grand, I know, in, in sound, but these are the ambitions of this short collection of poems. But with that, with what or with whom is this covenant that Ilya is drawing with, is a question for me. This contract, this new deal, is in my understanding a deal with the devil, not with God. The Islamic devil, a favorite character of mine, who I have written about and spoken about in other forums, as well has been a source of incredible and at times remarkable creativity. The poor devil in Islam, unlike the Genesis account in the Bible, has no free will whatsoever. He is damned more than anyone else, awaits tragically for the end of time, so that things can be sorted out again between him and his beloved God, between whom there seems to be a love-hate relationship in the Quranic Genesis account, at least. This complex relationship is a backdrop to unveiling the hidden mysteries of the Ramuz poems, I argue, in taking the position of the missionary of the revered ignorance. Elias simultaneously speaks on behalf of the metaphysical character Shaitan 
and the physical genealogy of his own bloodline belonging to the family of Quraysh, the family who also gave birth to Muhammad, the founder of Islam, and made life hell for him. I would like to argue that the emotions of resentment are something, something like my own take on what emotions of resentment are quite central to my own understanding of anthropology, my own understanding of what makes us human and distinguish us from the human animal from non-human animals. Ilya, I suggest, would not disagree as he begins his hope tablet with the verse, I have nothing other than reproach and hate. The one who is drinking the blood, blood knows what punishments lie for the species of Adam. I wish to scratch away every resting place of the species of Adam. Ilya does not want any contentment for himself or for his listener. No solace is allowed by him to make aware our own complicity of our crimes against the working classes and the promotion of common human misery is his self-proclaimed mission. He writes, what is the relationship between the disturbance of lips and the eardrum? The one who speaks is a performer and the one who listens is selfish. And therefore I perform tonight for your knowledge, thirsty, selfish ears, as Ilya proclaims. This anti-theist communist whose existence on this planet could only be justified by lending an ear to the universe and on behalf of it. The universe for Ilya was a sonic, visual and temporal experience. Space-time experienced thus by this 20th century poet describes the feeling of the romantic universe between its sonic and visual aspects. He says, I'm tired from one extremity to the other, I'm very tired. Every direction is the site of light's journey and entropy. Entropy is the intoxication of travel, and I'm overflowing in my emaciation. Light's outspokenness is dumb. All of light's desire for hearing is deaf, and in this deafness is silence. A silence in which there lies darkness of sounds. The sonic and the visual are interlaced thus in romantic tension in Ilya's poems. A shift in the register of the characters of poetry, romantic poetry in the Urdu tradition. He's subjectively always already present in the midst of this feeling sonic visual universe. Otherwise he remained forced by his poetic disposition and poverty to live rather a careless embodied existence. In his attempt to describe his physical illness once, he says to his doctor, he claimed, imagine the stomach is a house. Yesterday night, the roof of the house caved in. Or if this was not sufficient for narrating his physical pain of gastritis, he explains, imagine the stomach is a donkey. The donkey has been rubbing itself in the mud all night. These witty quips are what Ilya is quite famous for and quite known in the Urdu critical circles, literary critical circles. But I focus here on his philosophical contribution, on his critical contribution to thought in general. He is knowledgeable in Hebrew, Arabic, Persian tradition, and he is um, a translator of the Islamic historical texts into Urdu. He works for the Ismaili Institute for many years as a translator for them. So he is well aware and well rooted in the philosophical tradition of South Asian as well as Middle Eastern Islam. 
but being an anti-theist communist is a strange paradox which he balances off in his poetic expressions. His purpose in the remorse is beyond the merely metaphysical, however. He narrates the voice of the eternal martyr who is being dying a million deaths at the hands of the oppressors of each era. The Coffin Tablet writes, My purpose is firm through every trial and tribulation between eternity, my flag is flying open. This is me whose procession is proceeding through the stages of centuries. This is my coffin being carried through nations. Do you know that my chest is wounded? My liver is bloodied. Do you know that my arms have been cut off against my dead bodies? Fighters of ages upon ages have been strapped themselves. I will make common against oppressors the hatred of all people. I will make oppressors infamous in the whole world. It is to Ilya's irony that I want to make some references to now that requires no further explanation than a visceral experience of his poetry like the following, in which he mocks the creation of humanity and human itself, whether male or female. I ask, is this child of Adam and Eve who will be present in the presence of God? O oh, species of Adam, do not imagine your genealogists are unaware. You are of a dirty liquid you claim, spilled by unknown desires. I wish to unhitch all their stitches because this human, this supposedly highest creation of fabric of existence is completely wrongly woven. Here lies Ilya's anti-humanism, I would claim. But this anti-humanism falls alongside his existentialist meditations. I'm getting <coughs> drowsy, falling, I'm falling, but in whose side will the doors of the eyelids close? His anti-humanism mixed where with, with ex his ex existentialism is brought together in the ending where he himself becomes unaware whether he is within, that is behind his eyelids, or the one who is left on the outside of the eyelids before sleep takes over. But his existentialism suddenly takes on a Marxist hue in another tablet poem. A strong flood emerges itself from life and you are in that place of that strong flood. They won't find any protectors, those who are protecting you today. Those of you rejecting working class consciousness, this is all you're doing. And my criminals and your criminals should be brought out in an open court. Those who have passed on and those before them should testify the wounds that have been made on the spirit. These wounds should be shown to all. Ilya, if Ilya had read English, he would have agreed with Keats's perhaps um, that he uh, Keats's view of the embodied long-held association between bodily consumption, the bodily eating away of organs, and literary genius, which he himself interpreted as a necessary balance between human affliction and the highest production of art. As Keats writes, do you not see how necessary a world of pains and troubles is to school and intelligence and make it a soul? Ilya's poems are not a male poet's feminist expressions. They are, I argue, utterly and in material terms, feminist, identifying not only with the class position of oppressed women, but the very oppression of 
there in um, Rebecca Lynch's words, who's a, who's, a, who's a good friend of mine, an anthropologist in, in UCL, where she describes women, aging women's experiences as uh, of their liquid bodies, that's her term, that which Elia uses uh, rather aptly in his poetic uh, state of spitting blood, which is also a form of tuberculosis and its impact, which Keats writes about earlier. A metaphor he made use of the highest of poetic creativity, very much like Keats does, to, due to an experience of human pain and suffering. For example, note the following poem here, which mixes the poetic act with menstruation. In the dump was lying a menstrual cloth, which it desires most sophisticated man's humans, a poet, a poet's strongest color. The color is musical, and this menstrual cloth is a frozen music which is lying on this dump. The neighbor woman color, and of what lies between her thighs, pick up the tune, put it in the pocket. I am that I am. I go around with all my music in my pocket, that on my lips every hearer is desolate, and the pleasures are of my own body. Every tune of my lips is dying. It is crying in my chest, and sleeps are the organs of my breath and the breath is silent, and my silence, if it is anywhere, in, is in the pockets, and the threads of the pockets are tearing apart. The failure of adequate communication here, I would argue, is a theme emerging at the heart of my own research ambitions into the Urdu literary genre. However, a failure of adequate meaning does not mean one does not try to communicate. And this is where I would like to introduce Ilya's invitation for a radical critique that is not located in culture itself, but is an embodied radical critique of sexual difference and of all its related origin mythologies. This embodied critique is both of maleness as much as it is of femaleness, since poetic ironic rage is centered here on the reproductive act itself. This is a male and this a female. Thousands of competitors escaping from their source have chosen a male, sinful for all time, are this pair. I wonder which botched design of creation are this pair. Supposedly forever sinful, they hide their genitals, they stand their lips parted. You have the imagery of Adam and Eve coming to your mind perhaps. This is a mockery of me. Are they crying or laughing? This one who speaks all about himself does not feel any remorse. He is strange. He deserves my pity. Wombs that are full of his excess. He, and then he washes away the leftovers. This wash, washer of leftovers is very strange. He deserves my pity. The ironic rage of Ilya is not theistic, I argue. To the contrary, it is utterly anti-theistic. As I mentioned in the beginning of my intervention, like irony, anger often acts as an instrument of truth pointing out injustices, betrayals, and false states of affairs and seeking to even scores. I'd like to end my intervention with a confession of failure, of my own failure, translating Ilya adequately into poetic English, and also with Ilya's admission of failure at adequately expressing to understand the human condition and answer the question, why? What is this? And which one is it? This is, is of my moment or of that moment.
Are they both one? One they are and one they are not. And all that I have uttered, either it is the scam of my father which I believed in, or it is his grace which a father left his son in the world without a means of survival. My father was a great, my father was great and he was my teacher, but all teachers are liars. And lie is the teacher of two, one human and one God. Both are the students of lies. They have been teaching and learning from each other, but now I have stopped completely teaching and learning God. It has been quite a while. If he is not, then hundred times regret that godly God is not. Then tonight, in the middle of this night's roundness and in its quiet corners, why is there any evil? Thank you for lending an ear and thank you to the organizers for inviting me. Thank you.